Welcome to Why I'm Anti-War. I'm your host, Scott Spaulding, at MDVet4 on Twitter. This is a podcast where we talk about the moments, memories, and artwork that affected us and made us turn to the anti-war movement. Uh, I'm sorry I missed the last episode last weekend. I uh, had some technical difficulties, and hopefully we're recording right now, and that's all worked out. Uh, this will be the final kind of episode talking about major moments on my path to becoming anti-war. And then we're going to start uh, interviewing some guests that I've lined up. So without further ado, I'm going to tell you the final moment that turned me anti-war. So around the year 2012, after my fourth deployment overseas, I had already been considering the anti-war position but and I'd also I just moved to Virginia. I was stationed in Quantico, and I was listening to um, to different uh, lecture series on on iTunes U at the time before podcasting really entered my world. And on my long miserable commute to and from Quantico, I started listening to a series of lectures by Tom Woods, and in an episode that he discussed uh, the effects of World War II and World War One on our domestic economy as well as abroad he mentioned he quoted a speech or a essay by um erasmus a humanist in the in the just post-reformation era or pre-reformation era uh and he quoted from a from this essay uh about titled antipolemus or the plea of reason religion and humanity against war and this was the final moment for me. This the the segments I'm going to read to you just really beautifully drew a picture for me of the benefits of peace that are taken for granted. Even though we've been at war for 30 years in the United States, we don't really feel it here at home, but it really draws the benefits that we're missing out on and why it's so much preferable to the state to the status quo. And at the same time draws the clear contrast between peace and war in a way that just turned me that I could never look back. So I hope that if you hear this, maybe it has this effect on you or if you share it, it has the same effect on somebody else. Here comes the first segment sort of draws that distinction between the benefits of peace and the calamities of war. Peace is, indeed, at once the mother and the nurse of all that is good for man. War, on a sudden and at one stroke, overwhelms, extinguishes, abolishes whatever is cheerful, whatever is happy and beautiful, and pours a foul torrent of disasters on the life of mortals. Peace shines upon human affairs like the vernal sun. The fields are cultivated, the gardens bloom, the cattle are fed upon a thousand hills, New buildings arise, ancient edifices are repaired, riches flow, pleasures smile, laws retain their vigor, and the discipline of, poli- of the police prevails. Religion glows with ardor, justice bears sway, humanity and charity increase, arts and manufactures feel the genial warmth of encouragement, the gains of the poor are more plentiful, and the opulence of the rich displays itself with additional splendor. 
Liberal studies flourish. The young are well-educated. And the old enjoy their ease. Marriages are happy. Good men thrive. And the bad are kept under control. But no sooner does the storm of war begin to lower than what a deluge of miseries and misfortunes seizes, inundates, and overwhelms all things within the sphere of its action. The flocks are scattered. The harvest is trampled. The husbandmen butchered, villas and villages burned, cities and states that have been ages rising to their flourishing state, subverted by the fury of one tempest, the storm of war. So much easier the task of doing harm than of doing good, of destroying than of building up. The earnings of honest industry, the wealth of quiet citizens are transferred to the pockets of execrable murderers and robbers. Private houses exhibit the dismal effects of fear, sorrow, and complaint, and all places resound with the voice of lamentation. The loom stands still, the trowel, the axe, and the hammer are silent, and the poor manufacturers must either starve or have recourse to wicked practices for daily bread. The rich either deplore the diminution and less of their property or lie under terrible apprehension for what remains. In both circumstances rendered by war incapable of enjoying the common comforts of life, marriages are few or attended with distressful and fatal consequences. Matrons deserted by their husband now forced to the wars, pine at home in childless solitude. The laws are compelled to silence. Charity is laughed at. Justice has no dwelling place and religion becomes an object of scorn. Till no distinction is left between the sacred and the profane. Youth is corrupted by every species of vice. Old men lament their longevity and the, their gray hairs descend with sorrow to the grave. No honor is paid to learning, sciences, arts, and the elegant pursuits of liberal and honorable minds. It's amazing to me that this was written more than 500, uh, at least 500, approximately 500 years ago. And still, it mostly rings accurate today. We may not think about the flocks being scattered, but I've seen it myself in Afghanistan, a patrol or a helicopter scattering some poor shepherd boy's flock of sheep that he's tending to and, and sending him off on a goose chase to have to recover them. The widows, my own friends have been widowed and left, have left their wives widowed with no children, with, with two children to care for alone. And the manufacturers, I mean, if we look at the state of the economy here today, manufacturers being, most of the industry that seems to exist is all diverted towards war. And this is all the same. It's just never changed. And and uh, it really just the contrast between the two. And we, we can also see where he talks about the, the police bearing justice and police militarization today being direct result of these endless wars. It all just is right there, clear as day, easy to understand. Um, and it just, it, it that, that was just one segment. So we're going to add one more. And and uh, discuss another section of the essay. So to continue the essay, 
To these considerations add that the advantages derived from peace derive themselves far, diffuse themselves far and wide and reach great numbers, while in war, if anything turns out happily, the advantage redounds only to a few and those unworthy of reaping it. One man's safety is owing to the destruction of another. One man's prize derived from the plunder of another. The cause of rejoicings made by one side is to the other cause of mourning. Whatever is unfortunate in war is severely so indeed, and whatever, on the contrary, is called good fortune is a savage and a cruel good fortune, an ungenerous happiness deriving its existence from another's woe. Indeed, at the conclusion, commonly happens that both sides, both the victorious and the vanquished, have cause to deplore. The essay goes on. It ends up, it's, it's uh, quite lengthy actually and i'm going to and i've already recorded some segments of it um every single part of it packs a a punch i mean it's just it it continues to astound me that every time i read it it feels like it could have been written yesterday and here we are with this segment him talking about the zero-sum game and the fact that at the end of it both sides, all sides have cause to deplore. And here we are, you know, it's been just just recently, we marked the 30th anniversary of us beginning to bomb Iraq. And we've been continuously at war for 20 years in Afghanistan. 18, well, March will mark the 18th year in, um, of invading Iraq for the second time. And the... the savage and cruel good fortune the fact that every single victory in war comes at the loss to someone else at the cost of orphans and widows and dead sons um and and blood and treasure and a moral cost on all of us um is i think just really beautifully drawn out and if you i highly encourage you to take a moment to read this essay in its entirety it is i've read it several times through now and it's endlessly rewarding i'll be linking to the essay i'll be linking to the speech where i first heard it and i'll be recording and putting behind uh, uh as a bonus material the full recording essay with some of my commentary uh i'd love like to thank you for listening to the major pieces of my story i will record some other segments some other moments that i've had in my life as time goes on but these were the major moments that I think you needed to know about me before we get into hearing other people's stories. And we'll start with those next weekend. Thank you for listening to another episode of why I am anti-war at anti-war podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Email me anti-war podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to be a guest or DM me on Twitter, uh, I'd love to have anyone who wants to share just one moment of their story. It doesn't have to be your whole life. And, um, and, Use the, please share this, share it, like, share this episode and subscribe, share it with someone you think needs to hear it, share it with someone you love and use the hashtag why I am anti-war to try to spread this message. Thanks for listening. Peace.